Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, uh, recording this at my home in Pennsylvania. And I'm Tyler Held. I'm a professional groom and I guess a professional five-star groom. There you go. And a mental toughness coach, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I'm a practitioner of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and daily meditation, and I'm sitting next to my best friend Emily in her house. And we got to upgrade our little bios, which is exciting. All because of Kentucky. Which is the topic of our show again today. Yes, I know. If you tuned in last month's episode, we did things a little bit differently. And instead of going through our goals and um, books and word of the year and all of that, we decided to just kind of do like a free form episode about Emily's preparation for Kentucky. And I think that was really well received. So we kind of wanted to come back and do a recap episode for Kentucky. So we'll get back on track next month with, you know, everything. I do actually have some really exciting, like, goals stuff to talk about, but I don't want to bore you all with that right now. So um, for now, we're going to talk all about Kentucky. All about Kentucky. So Emily, you did it. You are a five-star level rider. Tell me about that. I did do it. I don't know. It was so surreal, actually. Like, it just... Like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it because I was like, you know, competing and it, it just kind of in some ways seemed like another competition, which it is. But then in other ways, you're like, wow, this is literally what I've been working for my whole life. Like, and I'm doing it. And like on cross country, that was when it really hit me as I was like going along the course. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. It was almost like an out of body experience. Like just watching myself cruise around and then like finishing and going through the finish flags. I was like, did that just happen? Well, and Emily, I caught you right at the finish line. So it actually worked out that Jenny's first horse was walking back to the barns, like literally right when you got off cross country. So I like looked around. I was like, I have five seconds. I had a second groom with me. So I was like, I'm running up to Emily and I like give her a big hug. And she said exactly that. She's like, I was just going around. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing this. Oh my God, I'm going to do it. And um, for those of you who don't know, Emily was not only um, the highest placed first timer at Kentucky, she was just outside of the top 21. So, or sorry, outside of the top 20, she was 21st. I know, which is kind of bittersweet because like it would have been nice to get a ribbon, you know? Yeah. Do they give ribbons through 20? Through 20. Wow. What colors? I have no idea what the colors were, but yeah, they ribboned through 20. So I was like just out of the ribbons, which is, I mean, I was just happy to finish. So like finishing 21st in like a 70 horse field with like stiff competition for my first time, I was, I I can't complain. I mean, we had so many Europeans sitting in those top spots too. So like... Like, if it was just Americans, I don't know exactly where I would have placed. But, but you would have been in the top like 20 for sure. Top 15 or something. Yeah. So, not to brag <laughs> or anything. This episode doesn't actually have to be all about me. Because um, there's a lot of other things that went into, like, 
you know, achieving the goal and... Yeah, and I, I think it's more than just like, hey, you ran around a five-star. It's like, what do you do now? It's like, what next? It's a great question. Like, everybody kept asking me that, and it's just funny because I've heard other high performers, like, talk about this. Like, when you reach a goal, it's like, okay, what's next? And, like, it can be hard to just stop and celebrate you know, what you just accomplished. And I've, I've been struggling with that. Cause like, yes, I kind of celebrated Kentucky, but like, I don't feel like I just kind of let it sink in what a big deal it was. And like everybody, again, not to brag, but like I got interviewed a couple times and everybody's like, what's next? Like everybody, you know, it's just like hard to just appreciate what you did without projecting things into the future. I don't know. So, but for me, what's next is I guess now I'm going to just keep running five stars and try to improve my performance. I'm excited about Fair Hill or the Maryland five star in October and they have crazy prize money. So like I need to get competitive. It's I need more competitive, you know, I gotta, I'd like to win some of that 300,000. Yeah, that's awesome that they were able to, like, do that. It's really impressive. Do they even say where that prize money's coming from? Mm, Maybe they did. I didn't really pay attention. I was just shocked by the number. I think the other thing that, like, is just really interesting to comment about our sport in general is, like, I don't know, you think of, like, other sports, and not that... I don't know, Kentucky, like, just finishing it is a huge deal in our mm-hmm. sport. And I feel like there are very few sports that have that. I mean, obviously, everyone that goes to Oli- the Olympics, it's, like, that's a big deal no matter what. Or, like, making it to the Super Bowl. But, like, just finishing in a sport that the difference between finishing and winning, like, really isn't that much in terms of, return on investment yeah do you just mean because like anyone who's a five-star rider like that's a win in itself kind of yeah 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 and obviously the money and prizes at the top is a little bit better but I I get what you're saying like once you're a five-star rider like that's kind of the goal right And 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 like to think about how much money goes into producing a five-star rider. Yeah. Is the prize money actually even really like... No. it's I can tell you it's not because I crunched some numbers after Kentucky and I was like, wow, this has been an incredibly expensive endeavor. Yeah. Like totally worth it. I'm glad I did it. But it's just crazy what goes into it. Like the time, effort, money. It's It's a lot. So... I encourage anyone to follow their five-star dreams, but also, like, you really got to think about it. Yeah. Because, like, I've had to sacrifice a lot to make it happen. So if it's really important to a person, then it's worth it, but... Right. And, I mean, you'd say, like, obviously it's been very important to you over the past... Yeah. How, how many years would you say you work towards this goal? I mean, so... If when I said the goal out loud, which was when I went to my first Kentucky at like 9, 10, I can never remember exactly what age. Yeah. You know, it's been over 20 years. But like seriously working towards it, I started eventing when I was a freshman in 
high school, maybe a maybe eighth grade. I don't know, like somewhere in that range. Yep. So that has been a while also because I'm older than I would like to admit sometimes. But okay. you know, it's been so it's been like a long time. You know, it's been over fifteen years. When would you say you got your five star tattoo? Uh, I got that when I was in Lexington. When I lived in Lexington, it was probably 2012-ish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, of course I had to complete this goal, because otherwise I had a really stupid tattoo. I mean, <laughs> so. for the, the backstory on this is that when Emily did her first one star... Yeah, it was actually... I had already done, like, my like a one-star which is now the two-star equivalent. Right. But anyway, like, I had actually done one, but I hadn't really, like, done it again. And then I got this new horse who I did another one-star with, and then that's, like, when I got the tattoo. Okay. So, so, and it was, like, one star filled in with three more empty stars. Yes, because that was when it was only up to four-star. And then when they changed the rule, you had to actually get another empty star on your tattoo. I did, and I had to put it up top because I was, like... The balance would be off if I put it on the bottom. But actually, I really like how it turned out. And um, yeah, so I've just been filling it in as I go. That's been, again, like if I got this tattoo in 2012, that's almost 10 years. Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess the moral of the story is is if you really want to do something, tattoo it on your body. And just, like, figure out how to make it work, because otherwise that was a dumb life choice, you know? Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I'm getting any tattoo. But I will say there are, like, people in jujitsu that get, like, something that has, like, all the belts, and yeah. you fill in the colored belts along That's the way. Because, like, cool. you know, in jujitsu, getting a black belt takes, like, ten years. Um, so it's yeah. kind of similar. Like, it's like, you are a black belt in eventing now, Emily. Woo. What do you think? Okay, I don't want to hit you with, like, the hardest hitting questions first, but, like, if you walked away from this experience with, like, one lesson of, like, life's lessons, what would it be? Um, hmm, how deep should I get on this one? Basically, if you are not happy before you reach your goal, reaching your goal is maybe not going to make you happy. Okay. Is that, is that too dark? I mean, like, I'm a, I consider myself a happy person, but, right. like... Reaching your goal doesn't, like, magically make you the happiest person in the world. At least for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, okay, I did that. Like, but I'm the same person. So if you're kind of expecting your goal to maybe, like... Change you. Change you. For me, personally, it didn't really. But it did make some things clear. You know, it was like, I know I can do what I put my mind to. And, like, I know I can put in the work, but knowing what it took to get to this huge goal, I think I would probably approach future goals differently, like, really break it down and be like, am I willing to put in this, this, and this? Because this, reaching this goal was, like, harder than I ever thought. Like, I thought it would happen earlier in my life with, like, several different horses and it just didn't because it's not easy. Yeah. And there's so many factors that you can't even 
consider. Like, you just don't know, you know? I'd be interested to hear your input of, like, okay, so incremental change between before you com completed your five-star to after you completed your five-star. It's like, okay, well, I did it, but not much has changed. What do you think in another scenario where, you know, Kentucky didn't go as well as it as it did. You you weren't able to finish. Would that have been like more more of a devastating thing to you? I think it yeah it would have been really hard if it didn't go well, but also it maybe like would have motivated me to work even harder. Yeah, you know, I, I just, it's hard to say, but. Yeah. Um, like, now I don't want to be too complacent, like, oh, I just skipped around that five-star. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah. I need to keep the fire burning, you know, a little yeah. bit and not take it for granted because it was challenging. Like, Barry's amazing, and it, again, went better than I could have possibly imagined. But, like, I can't now be like, well, I've done it. Like, I don't have to keep working that hard. Like, you still... To ride at the five-star level, like, I'm still going to have to keep putting in the effort and training and still have that desire to do it because otherwise it's just not going to continue to happen. Right. So. Right. Do you think, like, you want to bring another horse up to the level? Is that, like, making you hungry to do that or? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would like to have another horse at the level at some point, but to be honest, I think I've been really spoiled with Barry. Like, he made it feel, and I'm saying this cautiously because I understand that it was difficult, but, like, he made it feel easy, you know? And, like, I just don't know how many other horses out there would make it feel easy. I, we always call Barry a unicorn, but I feel like he really is, <laughs> like, he has just always been a five-star horse, like, waiting for the jumps to get bigger. Yeah. Like, if you watched Barry throughout his career, he's jumped every single cross-country fence <laughs> two feet over it and so like once the jumps were finally that big he was like game on this yeah, is what I've been like, waiting perfect. for well, what took us so long you know so speaking of those big jumps tell me about the nerves or the feeling before cross country because not only was that a scary course like very experienced riders were walking back and being like oh my god but there was also a lot of problems and I know you went relatively early but there, there has still a lot of problems before I went right there had already been yeah. several falls and yeah so that's not a great feeling when like it hasn't gone well but it's strange I like when I walked the cross-country course the first time I was like okay it's tough but like I feel prepared I feel like it never honestly scared me you know like I thought it was challenging what started to make me scary or like worried about it was talking to other people. Really? It was. It was. Because, like, honestly, I was like, I just felt like I had this plan. And I was like, well, it's, of course it's going to be hard. But, like, I didn't feel, I don't want to say I didn't feel nervous, but I didn't feel that scared. I was like, I just need to ride the plan, like, stick to the plan. Right. And then. You know, it was more or less talking to other people who were freaking out. And I was like, well, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like, should I be freaking out? Like, right, what? Right. What? And then I just, the day, the morning of cross country, I think it was a blessing that I didn't have to wait that long to go. Yeah. You know, um, I watched two riders and then I had to get on and warm up. 
And, like, I tried not to listen to the announce, announcer that much. Yeah. Um, and I think another good thing that happened was I almost, like, was late to the start box. Really? Yeah. I Not on purpose. Like, I was headed that way. Seemed like we had plenty of time. But then a horse was coming through the finish, so they wouldn't let me cross over to the start box until that horse had crossed the area. And so I was standing on the other side, like, totally ready. When the horse finally crossed, they're like, Emily, you have 15 seconds. And I was like, what? And they, like, dropped the ropes, and I had to, like, gallop and just go. That's amazing. I did not know that. No, I was like, "Uh, uh, okay. And so, like, I had literally no time to get scared because I just had to go. Wow. (laughs) You know, like, usually you're walking around the Starbucks, and you're thinking, this is a horrible idea. Why am I doing this, you know? But I was like, well, all right. Let's go. And we're off. So I know we've talked a little bit about like individualized zones of optimal functioning yeah. before. And I think we have kind of established that you're someone who does well under pressure. Is that? Yes, I would say I do. Because, because I tend to get casual if I don't have pressure. I feel like someone else like at their first Kentucky in that scenario would have like just completely <laughs> been like, what? Like, what? What do you mean? I what have do you to mean? go? Like, fifteen seconds is like not enough to process and be like, "Are you sure I've been stuck on this other yeah. side of the rope?" Like, you just went. Yeah. So that just kind of shows a little bit about like who you are as a performer as well. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on that weekend, and I just decided to channel that all into like riding my best. Yeah. Like, there was some drama, I had some personal stuff going on, but, like, instead of dwelling on that, I just tried to stay focused on the task at hand, and, like, any feelings that I was having about that, I was just like, we are channeling this into good vibes only, and we are getting this done because I need something to go right, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You and I have talked a lot about, like, sports psychology concepts of keywords, diaphragmatic breathing, um, you know, performance routines, et cetera, et cetera. Were there any of these skills that you utilized throughout the week? I just kept, anytime I would get nervous, I just went back to the feel in my calf. Like for whatever reason that like just brings me into it, like stretching down into my heel, getting my calf like wrapped around my horse and just like kind of feeling that gets me out of my head. And, like, that's the most useful tool to me. Um, yeah, that's that's just kind of my go-to. Yeah. And then also, like, when I'm walking the course, I try to, like, do what I hope to do when I'm riding. Like, as I'm walking, like, if I feel like I need to sit up more to that fence, like, I will actually, as I'm walking the course, kind of do that adjustment with my body or... And then do you create any, um, like, images in your head of jumping the jumps? or is I that... do. Um, on my last walk, I always, as I'm walking the course, after I, like, go behind a jump, I will, like, turn around and look and visualize myself jumping that jump. Mm-hmm. Or if it's combination, I'll, like, walk through the combination and at the end of the combination look back and then see, like, the striding and, like, where my line is. So. Can you, like... Are there any words to describe what it was like actually jumping some of those things out there? Um, it was crazy. I don't know. Like, 
I mean, I don't know how you didn't get, like, a nosebleed over that ditch and wall like you were literally so... (laughs) He just, like, launched. Um, The scariest fence to me was, like, the hollow. Okay. So in the back where you had to jump this table, then you had to go up this super steep, like, the steepest mound I've ever seen to this good-sized brush, and then bending to to this other good sized brush like it was kind of um shaped so you had to jump the left side of each brush and then on the second brush you like went down an equally steep landing and I just that the feeling over that I was like I have no idea how much time I was in the air but it just felt like forever (laughs) and once I landed on that I'm like okay I've got it like as long as I don't really do something stupid like that was the hardest thing like that's the one thing that I got really nervous about because everybody was like freaking out about it and I also was like this looks really challenging yeah Um, because I that was the one question that I felt like I hadn't really ever ridden something like that all the other stuff you're like okay I've kind of done this like maybe not this height or all of this together, but, like, I've done parts. And so then you kind of, like, go back to your training and just trusting in that. But, yeah, the hollow was something I, like, I had never really done that. So, and it's always the fear of the unknown, I feel like. Yeah. So. What do you think the, like, overarching message is, like, across disciplines, not just eventing? Because I feel like so many equestrian athletes are stunted by fear. Like, fear is probably the number one thing that gets in the way of an equestrian athlete and being successful. And it's, you know, some of the fears are definitely warranted, but Mm -hmm. some of the fears are just, like, fear of the unknown, fear of the uncertain. Like, this could go really well, but, like, what could happen? Um, Do you have any, like, words of wisdom as someone who just went and tackled a big fear? Yeah, I think preparation is key. Yeah. Like, again, I wasn't as scared of the course because I had prepared so well. And you never, you can't tell what's going to happen. And there's always, like, some fear of the unknown. But at the end of the day, you have to trust in your training. And um, if you don't, then maybe you need to reassess things because then maybe that fear is legitimate. Like... You know, I like that you say that because like whenever someone reaches out to me for like mental toughness coaching for riding, my the first question that I ask is, do you have the skills to complete this task? Like the physical yeah. skills. Um, we're not talking mental skills. Like, do you feel capable? Like, you know, if you want to move from prelim to intermediate, have you jumped the jumps? Like, have you worked with your trainer? Is it fear standing in your way or is it? actual skills and abilities Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing that we have to remember is that competence equals confidence yeah so if you're confident in something it's because you know how to do it you know how to you know jump the jumps or you know do a certain dressage movement and it's very interesting to me to see how the disconnect between mental and physical still skills comes up because for a lot of people it is a completely mental thing like it's people that have been riding for 10 years and mm-hmm. it's like I know you know how to do this but then there's some sort of fall or self-doubt or you know some sort of language that a trainer has used that kind of 
creeps up this like uncertainty in the brain that really like if you think about all the things that you've accomplished there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to do it yeah and I think that's like that is the journey to Kentucky it's like you are you were confident because you worked your ass off for 15 years and you got there and it was just like that was your time to shine at the same time stupid stuff happened around course yeah professionals who have been riding around five stars for years and years and years had horses falling down we had so many horses and riders fall down um what what are your thoughts about that like going to a kentucky that was like arguably presented as one of the hardest kentuckys where just all of these yeah i i don't know like it's hard to kind of grasp it because like you were saying there were people that were plenty competent and they still couldn't get it done like some of it was you know like freak things like maybe the horse just didn't quite pick up a front leg like that kind of happened you know some to some horses and maybe that was a fitness thing maybe they were just like a little too tired so they weren't as tidy and then you had an unfortunate fall because of that um I don't know it's just hard like sometimes things just don't work out and I've had that happen at the four-star level a lot not a lot but like a couple times when I was like struggling to get my last qualifier for a five-star it was like just stupid stuff happened and I think that's part of it and I think like even though arguably I was like prepared and none of that should happen like it did and then you always learn something from it yeah um, and I think, you know, too, I had a little bit of an emotional experience with Kentucky as well. And like, you know, I, I've wanted to groom at these big events for like a long time and it feels like, okay, like, you know, last year Kentucky only didn't happen because of COVID and I've, I've gone to the show as a vet tech before. So like, it felt like novel and like, oh, like this is my first time and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I went overseas. I've like, yeah. I've been at this event, like behind the scenes. I had three horses in the four long at Tryon. Like it, it was big, but it wasn't, you know, oh my God, like this is really happening. But I think it's a little bit because the sport kind of makes you fear getting too excited about things because it is one centimeter of it could be really good or it could be really bad and uh Stella Artois is my favorite horse in the entire universe and it was one centimeter between her finishing her course she was above on the minute markers like having just like a foot perfect round and had a freak fall at a water and that's like they just they say the difference between like placing first at the olympics and like placing third is you know the difference of like 0.01% because yeah. at that point everyone's elite like everyone's working really hard and i think like everyone that has qualified and like made it to kentucky is in that boat like everyone is on another level and the difference between the person that wins and the person that comes in last is like probably two percent performance right like it's not I mean maybe like a little bit further separating in the dressage but to be able to finish the cross-country course like it it's so crazy to me that this sport is the way that it is 
because I actually, I, I was moving a bunch of my stuff from a condo to my new apartment, which we'll talk about in our goals next month. But um, I found a journal that I kept when I moved to Chester County, Pennsylvania, that was like, I was on a mission to crack the code of upper level eventing. <laughs> yeah. Like I read about the gosh, like high performance biohacking and like basically people that quote unquote hack life. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, if you want to become a pro chess player, there's X, Y, and Z that you have to do to like get really good at chess. And for me, like eventing either doesn't have that or the solution to have that is basically like work literally from seven o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night every single day until you can't see straight break like seven bones in your body and keep working through it and then like maybe you'll have success in the sport and I wasn't like really satisfied with either of those answers so I was like how can we make this sport something that people can be successful at and also happy at like what is the code and like I was like feeling like I was starting to like almost taste that a bit like feeling like you know having horses in a program that were going really well where no one was overworked or no one was stressed out and it's like it is that one centimeter between you and success and like I want the horses to do well I want the horses to win but when little things like that can be the difference between a really good day and a really shit day it makes you not want to try as hard yeah (laughs) I I get what you're saying for sure and I don't know if that's being too candid but I just feel like that's like the whole conversation about you know you reaching your goals and it's like okay now what you're going to tie your complete identity up into this thing of like, I am a five-star rider. Well, you could go to Maryland five-star and like Barry could be blowing out an abscess right before jog day. And it's like, you're going to base your whole year and your whole expectations over this one thing that could just go to shit so easily. Yeah. (laughs) Emily's like, come on, Tyler, where's the motivation? Like we got to put a positive spin on this, but it's like a legitimate thing and I think it's important for people to understand again like how hard this sport is and like I'm not gonna say it's not worth it because like I'm very happy that I completed this goal but it could have easily gone the other way like some freak thing could have happened there's so many variables you just cannot prepare and a lot of it's out of your control and like hopefully the stars align and it just works out but and I, you can't tie your identity to it because, like, there is more to life, for sure. And I think that's, like, the underlying message of, um, actually, Boyd Martin is, like, famously quoted of saying, like, the rest of the world is fighting over a grain of rice. Yeah. And I think that's, like, really the message at the end of the day is we can sit here all day long and talk about Kentucky and talk about how you felt and how amazing it was. But at the end of the day, like we've said this before, like, this is an elite sport. Like, this is something that we have the potential to make way more of a deal than it actually means to 95% of the population. And it's not that we should 
discard it. It's not that we shouldn't put our hearts, souls, and energy into it. But when the disappointments lead to something that is unhealthy, then that's where we need to like stop and think and like look at the bigger picture. I agree. Also, I think realizing how fortunate we are to do this and cultivating a lot of gratitude yeah. is important. Um, like I know I actually wasn't as emotional through the competition as I thought I would be. Like I kind of pictured myself coming out of show jumping, just like crying tears of joy, you know, and I was happy, but like, I wasn't like, I definitely didn't trigger that strong emotional response that I had like, for some reason pictured. Yeah. And, but then the weird thing was Monday morning when we're loading up to leave, I literally like just broke down crying the moment I saw Barry, like I pulled into the barn and I was like, I love this horse so much. I'm so grateful. Like all of a sudden it was just like this huge, like understanding of like what we just did and like how grateful and like, you know, I had all my family there and it was just like this huge thing of gratitude. And so, yeah, I think embracing that because this is like such a gift to be doing this sport yeah it's I like know. i don't know the old zen saying like chop chop wood carry water and like what are you gonna do once you get all the wood and carry all the water it's you <laughs> chop more wood and carry more water and if yeah. like if, if that's not good enough for you then it's about enjoying enjoying the moment and enjoying the process along the way and you know, no matter what happens from here, like, it's amazing that you get to say, like, oh, I'm Emily Hamill, I'm a five-star rider, but that doesn't define you, and, yeah, you know. It's part of me, but it's not all of me, for yeah. sure. Although, Barry is, like, for sure toting the five-star Is thing. he? He has got such an attitude since he came back from Kentucky. Like, I, that horse is so smart. I think he just... He, like, knows that that was a big deal. Yeah. He knows he did it. Like, I could barely keep him on vacation because he was like, all right, I'm ready. Like, I'm fit. Let's go. Like, why am I on a break? Like, I just was amazing. So, he's a funny horse. He's definitely got five-star wrapped in his identity. <laughs> strong. Well, if, strong. if I need to consult with him, yeah, let me know. Yeah, consult with Barry. Be like, Barry, this is not all you are. This is not all you, you are. You have a lot of other good qualities. You can eat grass. Mm hmm Sleep in your straw. Like. Yeah. So, he's funny. But. What do you think? Is that Kentucky? Is I think that the wrapped it up. Um, I mean. I closing comments, thoughts, concerns? touched on some pretty good just experiential and also just sort of the mental side of all of it. Yeah. And yeah. Is there anything you want to add as from your grooming experience? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I touched on it a yeah. little bit with, you know, just the disappointment and, um, we did, we had two horses there and we had one horse finish and that was awesome. Can I just say that, literally 10 minutes before Jenny's about <laughs> to get on story. for cross country. She looks at me and she's like, uh, on, on her other horse, Effie lifestyle. She goes, this is this horse's third long format event. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm like, you sure you meant to bring this horse here? Because we can withdraw right now. Like if you want, I'm like, like you don't have to do this. It is his 
third long formative event. He did like a two star at Fairhill, like back when it was like the old system. Yeah. And then had just done the four long in the fall. Um, and it was like, all right, let's go to Kentucky. And I mean, God, she made the right call because yeah. that horse was like he was awesome. phenomenal mm-hmm. on cross country, just eating it up. Um, oh my, there's one jump of him in the water, like taking off from like way far away. He's just like sailing over it. I was like, you cannot tell your groom this information. Right? Yeah. I get nervous enough already. Like you should, you should have kept that into yourself. I actually didn't walk the cross country course. I didn't want to know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to I was know like, I, about to happen. That scares me. I'm going to be nervous anyways. Um, did bite me in the butt a little bit when Toddy fell down. And I'm like literally like sprinting on course. And you're like, where to are find you going? Toddy, which Alexa had walked the course. So my other groom that was there with me, Alexa, she like sprints off. And I am like probably 10 feet behind her when she gets into a golf cart. And I'm like, Alexa, Alexa, wait for me. And she just like full speed ahead. <laughs> I'm like abandoned, just standing there. I'm like, where's my horse? I'd say that was like probably the one thing that frustrates me about the big events is like when a horse and rider do go down. Like obviously there are always people there to take care of them and like mm-hmm. make sure everything's okay. But like the process of the actual groom that's responsible for the horse, like, finding the horse and rider needs to be more streamlined. Right. I don't know. Well, maybe I'll work on that. I I feel like that's an easy solution. Like, chances are the groom is in the vet box, right? So they need to have a designated golf cart. So if that groom's horse falls, like, boom. Oh, that was loud. It's okay. Anyway, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that could be an easy solution. Um... Talking about the vet box, though, one other thing that I think could be fun for the listeners to know is, because I didn't realize this until I went, they have in the, at the end in the vet box, they have this big tent with all these monitors, and you can watch, like, all the horses going on cross-country. There's, like, I don't know, 20 different views. It's the raw footage, so it's not the live stream. Um, so if you're standing in warm up and you pull up the live stream, the live stream's probably like five minutes behind. So you'll hear that someone has a fall over the loudspeaker, but it takes like five minutes to show up on the live stream. But when you're in the tent, it's all like the raw camera footage. And it's really cool because all the riders who are about to go or like need to watch horses go, like everybody's in the tent and it's just such a... An atmosphere like I actually didn't get to spend much time in there because I went so early but it was so cool because like all the riders are in there they're like cheering you on or whoever's going and it's or like if something's wrong you know it's this like audible gasp <laughs> and then but like I truly felt like everybody was rooting for everyone like no matter what because I think we can all appreciate how hard the five-star level was is is you know what I mean like nobody I highly doubt anyone was like oh I hope this person has a problem like it really seemed super supportive and like when people did well like it was just cheering it was it was cool um actually that also brings up a point too because just since you mentioned atmosphere mm -hmm. how different do you think it was without like a sea of spectators yeah um again it's just like one of those variables that it's hard to say, like, if that would have changed things. Um, I think it was actually quite nice to do your first five-star without the spectators. Yeah. 
there's less distractions. Also, I think with those big crowds, like, the horses can read things differently. Yeah. You know, so it's it's hard to say. Like, maybe Barry would have backed off more with the crowds. I mean, he tends to like to show off, so I kind of don't think it would have bothered him. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's another factor. Yeah. So I feel, for me personally, like, I enjoyed not having crowds this yeah. year. Like, next year would be fun. Yeah. But, like, this year I could just focus and... Yeah, for me, who tends to, like, be a little ADD sometimes and get distracted by things, it was, like, nice. Also, being able to just zip around and go wherever you want without having to, like, deal with all the traffic and people was kind of nice. Yeah, no, that's for sure. So. What was your favorite part of the whole event? Uh, the snow. (laughs) That was your favorite part? I'm I'm just kidding. That was horrible. Oh, my God. What? Is this? It literally snowed. I was freezing. On jog day on Wednesday. All week, though. It was so cold. Yeah. I thought I had enough clothes, and I did not. So, but we survived. But my favorite part, um, I think just the whole day after cross country. Like, I was on such a high, and like... I don't want this to sound braggy, but I had, like, a ton of my, like, riders that I idolized or, like, did when I was a kid. You know, like, big names. Like, they come up to me and they're like, that was amazing. Like, that was phenomenal. Like, David O'Connor fist bumped me. No way. In the 10-minute box. Yeah. No way. He was like, that was awesome. I was like, oh, thanks. And then um, just, like, some other... I'm not going to name drop, but a lot of other riders no, I mean, said very similar things. Honestly, Tyler from, like freshman year of college that was reading like life in the galloping yeah. lane i would like have died inside if like phil or if david o'connor yeah. was like good job that was awesome yeah like right when i got off cross country so it was like and then you know it's just that was really cool because i felt like i belonged you know it's not like i just barely scraped by like yeah. i actually did well yeah like i don't want to like i'm not necessarily surprised but also you know what I mean it's like it just was nice to feel like I belonged there you know what this is a very side note but you know you love my side notes I do if anyone there was like two people recording us when we like had this beautiful embrace yes at the end of cross country and I was like someone has this on their cell phone somewhere and it's just a whole equestrian moment that I want I want that too I should maybe make a post on Facebook about it it was like one of the I saw one of the guys I think he might work for USDF or something I want to say the other guy was maybe like one of Boyd's owners or something like that yeah I don't even know so, yeah, I would like that if anybody has that. Also, maybe Shannon Brinkman got some pictures. Like, I don't know if she had a photographer in the vet box. I don't know. Because um, I, I just looked at my pictures today, which, like, she's phenomenal. She's a great photographer. Yeah. But there were, like, 400 pictures of me. There weren't um, any any in the vet box, but I almost wonder if she has, like, a candid... Yeah. File, like, vet box, you know? Because yeah. I feel like there's so many There was moments. definitely people with a camera there, yeah. and I need that moment so that okay, I can so. get it framed for you. For both yes, of us. For both of us. 
and the whole equestrian. We'll put it on t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So on that note, I think that's all. I, th I think we're good. Do you want to talk in a different voice for a second? Yeah, just for some listener entertainment. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we've been here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride!